to fret, Xander. Electra Worthington had assured her brother Lysander when he'd silently protested her strategy. What could possibly go wrong? She ought to have known better than to jinx matters by saying such a thing. Worthington plans, no matter how well laid, had a way of twisting ever so slightly sideways. Now she sat in a dripping ruin at midnight, with her elderly but functional, mostly pistol on her lap, staring at the suntanned and handsome, if a bit on the shaggy side, bound and furious fellow for whom she had risked her reputation, virtue, and any chance in hell of ever lifting her family from their penury, and found herself at a loss for the first time in her determined, single-minded existence. Bloody hell! I've kidnapped the wrong man! Twenty-four hours earlier, Muddy water spattered high onto the chipped and scratched enamel of the carriage's exterior. Punishing rain immediately washed the majority of it right back down onto the sodden, rutted road. Though the sun stood only a few hours after noon, one could not tell time because there was almost no daylight at all piercing the heavy black clouds. Lord Aaron Arbogast, grandson and heir of the Earl of Aberdeen, drove the carriage through the storm with capable, calloused hands. How strange to remember that when he'd left England nearly ten years previously, he'd never driven himself in anything but a sporting curricle. He certainly wouldn't have dreamed of exposing his lazy high-born hide to actual weather. Now he thought nothing of the torrent beating down on his drooping hat, borrowed from his manservant Hastings, except to wistfully recall that the rainwater in the Bahamian Islands was never this cold. His oilcloth driver's cape was borrowed from Hastings as well, for his own wool finery was wrapped around his shivering, feverish servant, who was tucked up safe and warm inside the once luxurious but now somewhat scruffy-looking carriage. It had taken far too much of his savings to purchase the conveyance in London, but once his ship had reached port, Lord Aaron had wished to escape the city of his youthful downfall as quickly and as surreptitiously as possible. Everything had cost more than it ought to. The two passages on the not terribly comfortable freight ship for himself and Hastings, the posh togs that had ended up wrapping the wiry Hastings to keep him warm, the aged carriage and the not-quite-matched, not-quite-shiny pair of horses to pull it. Behind the conveyance there even plodded a gentleman's mount, a rangy bay-gelding of dubious descent and sullen temperament, but with long legs and a surprisingly fine gait, who, because of his problematic outlook on his servitude to mankind, had cost Aaron little more than meat market coin. Literally. The beast had been on his way to the knackery when Aaron had noticed the aristocratic lilt to his equine step, Outbidding the butcher at that point had been a matter of a few farthings. In the last ten years, Aaron had come to believe in the reformative power of the second chance. All of this was purely intended to make a good impression on his grandfather, whom he'd not seen since the day Black Aaron was banished from England for his poor judgment years ago. Is that what they're calling it now? Poor judgment? The girl died. Aaron flinched at the accusing voice in his own mind. He had paid for that terrible mistake over the last decade, although even ten years in the sweltering tropics could not bring Amelia back to life. 
such enforced exile had been his grandfather's only recourse. Aaron knew that. The crime that had driven his only family to reject him across three continents had been so unforgivable that it had taken every day of those ten years to slowly and steadily rebuild his personal sense of honor. His reputation, sadly, remained unsalvageable.